The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, August 30th, 2017, welcome to the kickoff here on the W2M Network, www.w2mnet.com. My name is Harry Broadhurst. We are proud to bring you a secondary football show and more of a debate-style show rather than just previewing the games. We will actually have extended conversations about the seasons that are in college and professional football. Once again, I want to welcome everyone in, and I want to first of all thank our producer, Mr. Eric Watkins. Uh, Happy to be here. No problem at all. I'll be running everything from behind the magic curtain. (laughs) Just remember, don't look behind the curtain. It's never what you want to see. All right, here we go. (laughs) Introducing my first co-host. You know him here from W2Mnet's SCU show. This is Stephen Err. How are you doing today? Good evening, Stephen. Welcome. Glad to be here. Very excited to get this show started. All right, so technically speaking, the idea of doing the secondary football show was Stephen's baby when this originally started in concept. He had a show called The Football Five. However, we realized that due to the time constraints of having that many participants involved in a show, it really doesn't become conducive to recording. That being said, once we get a more superfluous matter here, once you have three people, it's a lot easier to record. So, that allows me to bring in our second co-host, frequent Wrestling to the Max contributor, Brandon Biscabing. Hey, what's up? What's going on, Brandon? Good to be back on the show with you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been on any podcast, so it's good to be back. It's good to be back on the air. All right, so let's give everybody a preview of what they can expect coming from the kickoff here going forward. The first thing that we want to tell you guys about is that we will be a debate-style show here. What we will do is we will bring you conversations about various topics, and we'll break it down into various subcategories for you guys, so that way it'll be a little bit easier to find the point of discussion that you would like to listen to if, for some reason, we have a conversation that does not pique your interest. Some of the ideas that we've tossed around include segments called Get It Together, which was Steven's idea, where we talk about a team that is underperforming, be it in the National Football League or in college football, and we describe our thoughts in order to help them turn it around. Another segment we have planned is called You Serious? And that will be our upset predictions for the week in both college and the NFL. We will both make a college football and an NFL prediction that we feel would be an upset compared to what you might expect to happen over the course of the the weeks of the game. Easy for me to say, having a moment. I'm good. But that's all, folks. All right, moving on. (laughs) Another one of the main segments that we're going to do as well is called Studs and Duds. That is going to be each one of us picking a peak performer and each one of us picking a performer who did not live up to his expectations for the week before. Uh, I believe there were a couple other ideas tossed around, Brandon. I believe you had one that you wanted to talk about here, so yeah, go ahead the, and see the floor. The main to you. one that I have, and this is just in general, you know, a buy and sell 
type uh, segment where we give some uh, some ideas, some uh, topics of discussion. See, you know, like if a team is doing really good, buy or sell if they're a legit contender, something like that. You know, seeing seeing how uh, legitimate certain teams are and certain players are and stuff like that. Steven, anything to add, sir? Uh, no, but, but I, uh, one of my favorite segments on the show going forward is going to be the use series because that's going to bring up a lot of debate. We're going to have different debates on who we think, which team will upset which team. And we have this example in our group chat. I said, let's say that I said the Jaguars would upset the New York Giants and Harry would go off of me and I would, him and I would go back and forth. I was alongside with him as well. Who, why the Jaguars will win? You guys are telling me, oh, it's crazy. You're, you're nuts. Stop talking like that. Da, da, da. So I'm looking forward very much to the U-Series segment here on the kickoff. All right. The other two segments that we were discussing as well going forward are So That Happened, which will be our new segment, and we'll probably open the show with that most weeks. It'll be our discussion of things that have gone down over the course of events for college and football college football and the NFL, such as major upsets, such as injury news, such as record-breaking performances, things along that nature. Not your everyday, day-to-day happenings inside of the world of, co- of college or the NFL. The crazy the things la- that happen. The last one, and we're actually going to do the first version of that tonight once we do our predictions, is called Going Bowling. And that is going to be our look at the college football preview, or the college football playoffs, excuse me, and our predictions as to who we think will fill out the four slots for the college football playoff at the end of the season once the conference championship games have happened. And it is with that in mind, gentlemen, that I believe it is time for us to move on and start our college football preview. Let's get to it. Let's do it. All right. Let's start, in my opinion, the best conference in college football, Stephen. And that would be the <laughs> SEC. Well, well, we'll get to that later. Because <laughs> okay, I think Stephen of... and I are both on the same page on this. We've had this conversation off air before. It is, in my opinion, that the best football in college football is played in the SEC. Now, I, I understand there are certain people who happen to live in Big Ten country that may feel otherwise. I myself live in Big Ten country, and even I think the best football is in the SEC. But let's begin with the SEC with our previews. Um, God, it's really hard to go against Alabama here, isn't it, guys? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no question. Steven, who do you think being the biggest challenger to Alabama this year in the SEC? You know, I've, I've talked to a guy named Brandon Eisenman. He writes for Left Sport on Sports, who we cannot talk about much on the show, but he works for them. He works for a few other places. LSU is his team. That is a team I'm looking forward to watching all season long just because of one guy. His name is Ed Orgeron, people. Ed Orgeron did great as an intercoach at USC. I loved what he did. I was very upset when they fired him, let him go instead of signing him to a contract. Now that LSU, we've raised less miles. I'm uh, November 4th, people. Mark your calendars. LSU at Alabama. That's also going to be, my, in my opinion, that is going to be the SEC title game in Atlanta come the first weekend of December. That is the biggest threat to Alabama. Outside of Alabama, I don't, I don't, in the SEC, it's like, uh, who, where's everybody else? Who, uh, who else is a big threat to Alabama outside of LSU? Um, is that impossible, th- though, that LSU and Alabama face in the title game? It is well, impossible. They're both in the SEC West. Oh, okay. Sorry, again. 
Look, I'm new to this college football thing. I'm bigger NFL guy than in college football, but oh, so am I. But <laughs> um, in my opinion, the team to watch for coming out of the East is the team that's won the East the last two years, and that would be the Florida Gators. Assuming they can get their crap together with this suspension theory that just came down right before their big game against Michigan at Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas this week. Star wide wide receiver Antonio Callaway and six of his teammates were suspended for basically the same thing that befell Ohio State a couple of years ago of selling stuff provided to them by the university or using university cards in order to purchase stuff and then turning around and selling it black market. That's right, and um, I'm also surprised that they did not start uh, Notre Dame transfer the leagues there. I watched them at Notre Dame. I was impressed with what I've seen from him. Uh, however, Jim McElwain decided to go a different way with this. But during a press conference today, he decided to tell us on ESPN before we went on. He said, quote-unquote, we have a plan. So maybe against Michigan we see two quarterbacks play. We'll have to see, we'll see what happens in that game. That seems to be the recurring pattern for Florida, though, is the multiple quarterback situation. It happened last year, but the problem is is the traditional thought for that is when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with any two-quarterback system is that more often than not, each quarterback plays a specific role, and as a result, the defense can you're basically giving away what you're doing. You're giving away whether it's going to be a run or a pass or an option, whatever. So two quarterback systems just, no, don't work. And that's my biggest concern as a Gator fan is the fact that with multiple quarterbacks, and and especially since one of the quarterbacks that we're going to have is more of your traditional pocket passer in Luke Del Rio, that – if Del Rio's in the game, it's going to be an obvious tip to defensive coordinators that uh, they're probably passing here. Should probably exactly. switch into a should probably switch into a nickel or a dime coverage. And in the same way, if the other quarterbacks in there, they're thinking, oh, it's probably going to be an option play or a run play, so they can push up on the line. Absolutely, one hundred percent correct there. All right, so we're all agreed on Alabama out of the SEC, though, right? Yes, and oh, no, I'll, don't doubt. I'll just say that my secondary team that I think I I don't think they'll win it or anything, but I think they may hopefully this year finally live up to the height that they've had for the past I don't know three or four years is Georgia. Yes, yes. Uh, um, as a Florida fan, I certainly hope not because it's tough enough to deal with the Bulldogs as it is, especially with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in, in Jacksonville every year. So I'm, I'm personally hoping Georgia continues to stink like they did under Mark Rick for his last two seasons. That's a little bit of a personal bias coming in though. Well, I ain't going to lie. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I've got. I've got family that went to Georgia, so I have a bit of a personal bias as well. So, <laughs> All I have to say to that is do-do-do-do-do, go Gators. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right, let's move to the Big Ten, which a lot of people consider to be the best conference in college football last year. And frankly, with the three teams that came out of the Big Ten East, it is really hard to argue against that. As Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State were all national championship contenders last year. Mm-hmm. How do we see the Big Ten playing out this year? I have kind of a bold prediction. Uh, everybody seems to be picking Ohio State this year to win the Big Ten. I don't think so. I think this Ooh. is Harbaugh's year. I think Michigan wins the Big Ten this year. 
Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, it's not a, a super bold prediction, but it's not like a couple <laughs> of years ago when no one thought Purdue was going to do anything, but, you know, uh, but, uh, or not Purdue, Iowa, I mean, um, but I'm, I'm still sticking with Ohio State. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ohio State, too. I love JT Barrett. Urban Meyer is an amazing coach. And no matter who that defensive coordinator is, that defense shuts everybody down, including Michigan. And but also I, Michigan. I love Jim Harbaugh. I'm mad he got fired from San Francisco. No reason for it. But I don't like their quarterback. I believe his name is Jake Spieth, something like that. Around there, I'm not, I'm not buying him. I, I've seen him play. He's not impressive. But my, my dark horse, it's not really a dark horse per se, but I think Penn State tech takes the next oh, yeah. step. And oh, they... Sure. They're the they're at least the runner up, if not a definite contender for the title. Sure. Um, I think you have to look at the other side of the conference, the Big Ten West, to find my runner up here. Um, I think Michigan wins it, and I think they beat Wisconsin in the final. I would certainly like to see Wisconsin make a run, but you know, I don't know. I would like to see Ohio State, and I believe Penn State could play them, right? Because they're in two different divisions here. No, Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State and Penn State are in the same division, and Penn State actually beat Ohio State last year. That's because of a block field goal. We won't go there. The the Big Ten West is like the uh, SEC East. The, the, those are the weaker of the two divisions. As Mine, much as I – Go ahead. Just real, just real quick here. As much as I hate to agree with Brandon there, I think I kind of have to. The SEC West is loaded with Bama, LSU, Texas A&M. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Ole Miss should be significantly better this year. Uh, Mississippi State, as I said. Um, Arkansas should be improved as well. Sean, I'll appreciate hearing that. But, yeah, you, you can definitely tell the class of the Big Ten is definitely the eastern side of the division. Uh, just to let everybody know, whoever listening to this, I will be looking at these uh, divisions so I can know better for next time who can play <laughs> who in the Big Ten title game. <laughs> All right, let's just move think, out west. Th- just think geography. That's all you really need to know. Good point. No, that's not true because they got it all screwed up now because of all these super conferences. The only one that's really screwed up, I feel, is like there's – I think like there's one or two teams that are more eastern in the SEC that are still in the west. I'm um, sure Missouri's in the SEC east, right? And they're, they're yes. more at west. That, yes, right. Yeah. That's, that's what I was yeah. thinking about. It, um, why? Why is, is what, Rutgers in the Big Ten? Yeah, right? I, I I live near Rutgers. My home is near Rutgers University. I cannot tell you what they're doing in the Big Ten. What don't, that makes no don't sense? Even, they are not. I mean, comp- they are not competitive enough to be in the Big Ten. Oh Lord, I mean, no. don't don't even get me started on conferences to begin with. But <laughs> I, I I hate Rutgers with a passion anyway because I mean my alma mater is their big rival in basketball. But, uh, yeah, there's certain schools that just do not need to either A, be in a Power 5 conference, or B, should not be in certain conferences. And I wish the NCAA would step in already and actually make real conferences based on geography like they used to be. Right. Well, the unfortunate fact of it is the chase of the almighty dollar for the NCAA oh, has kind of overtaken the natural rivalries that the that the 
subdivision used to have. Yeah. Frankly, you're much more likely to get those natural rivalries at rivalries at the championship level, the FCS, than you are at the FBS level. That, that's why I've said for years now, until uh, the FBS creates a real system that the FCS will the FCS champion will always be the true national champion for me. Well, as somebody that lives in Youngstown, Ohio, where Youngstown State is, well, I would be perfectly okay with that. All right, let's move on, shall we? Let's go out. Let's go out west, young men, and we go to the <laughs> Pac-12. Um, this is USC's conference to lose this year, is it not? I would say no. so, with Washington being a close second. I have Washington winning. I don't know much about the Pac-12. I do know Sam Darnold. I. I've heard so much about him. I haven't watched him play, so I don't, like I do with a lot of things, I don't buy into him. Not only that, but Juju Schuster's in the NFL. Adoree Jackson's in the NFL. Two big-time players for USC. As upset as I was seeing Washington in the playoff last year, they didn't belong there. I do have Washington winning the Pac-12 again because Josh Browning is an amazing quarterback. And I look forward to seeing what the, him and the Huskies do this year. My favorite Big Ten team is Penn State, so I agree with you in that Washington did not belong in the college football playoffs. They did not at all. But there's, again, there's a little bit of a personal bias there. The reason I'm picking USC is just because, you know, we've been hyping USC. People have been hyping USC for years. Eventually, the hype has to be real, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the same can be said for uh, Georgia, too. So (laughs) maybe this will be the year for both. That is true. That's a good point. Uh, you're frustrating me, Bisco. <laughs> <laughs> my my inner Albert the Gator is getting super frustrated right now. Oh boy. <laughs> um. So you guys are saying so. Stephen's saying USC. Who's who's coming out of the East then, or the South? Excuse me. It's North South out in the yeah. Pac-12. My mistake. Oh uh, wait, USC isn't in the South. USC is in the USC is in the South. Who? I'm asking oh. Stephen, who's coming out of the South. Does he think USC is coming out of the South to face Washington for the title? Oh, okay. Or does he have somebody else winning the Pac-10, the Pac-12 South? Uh, let me one sec to look up these uh, divisions and whatnot here. Um, give me one second. I'll run them straight down for you. USC, UCLA, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona. Okay, there it is. Harry uh, beat I've, me to it. <laughs> I've heard a lot about Oregon doing something well this year. So I've, I've read an article. It was like, oh, my God, Oregon's doing all this amazing stuff. So I'm I'm speculating here. I'm just going off on a wing. I don't know nothing about the Oregon Ducks since Marcus Mariota left after losing to Ohio State in the first ever college football playoff national championship game. But I would like to see or- – I want to see the, the hype for Oregon up there. I want to see them playing USC in the Pac-12 title game. Wait, I thought you said Washington. I mean, Washington, right, right, right. No, what? No. <laughs> I am all I am all messed up tonight. Um, Oregon's in the north. Yeah, Oregon's in this. Oregon's in the same conference as Washington is. The South is basically California, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. Okay, then I'm going with Washington, USC, the Pac-12 title game, and that's all I got to say about that. That that's what I'm going with as well. Yeah, I, it's really hard to argue. Um, that being said, Stanford looked damn good against Rice. They're definitely a. Me- they're they're definitely a dark horse. They're they're a team that if they did make it over USC, I would not be surprised at all. But at the same time, let's be honest, it was Rice. Well, yeah. 
I mean, pretty much all the games prior to conference play starting are, you know, just warm-up games for all these teams. Yeah, t- tell that to Florida and Michigan who open the season against each other. Tell that to Alabama and Florida State who open the well, season. Well, no, I'm each other. Uh, unless you're actually playing a Power Five school. Well, yeah, Rice is what Conference USA? I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. All right, that takes us to the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is the only one of the Big Five conferences that does not have a title game, and frankly, it's come back and bit them square in the backside in the last couple of years. Yep, for sure. So, who's coming out of the Big Twelve this year? Um, I I know a lot of people are behind Boomer Sooner. I don't see it. I'm going with OK State. Me too. I'm also going with Oklahoma State, but I think I think it'll be another very close race like it has been for the past couple of years. And um, I know we'll get to this later, but I, I don't think any of them make it to the championship. Well, let me ask you guys the big question in the Big 12 for me is, do you think Texas will be improved with their new head coach? Now that they have Tom Herman, formerly of the University of Houston. I- I mean, you can't really do you can't really do much worse than they did. Well, I well last year they did decent, correct? Yeah, yeah last they, year I believe they were. Last year I believe they were seven and five. Okay, because I know that it was two years ago where they just completely. Oh no! Excuse me. Back to back years of five and seven. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah five, you can't seven. get mm-hmm. you can't get much worse than what they've done over the last couple of years. So I. I think yes. I think the new coach, new culture in there, all of that will get them at least above 500. I want to see what he does replacing the running back, Dante Foreman, who went to pro. I like Tom Herman as a coach. He did very well in Houston, but I feel a big part of that was Greg Ward Jr., the quarterback. So I want to see what the Texas players bring to the table and see how Tom Herman, uh, what he does with. But going back, I want to go back to the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State deal. Oklahoma State's winning this because by this, the, the slice of margins. And I look at this because Oklahoma uh, finals, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's great. He's awesome. Good, good quarterback. But he just lost his top receiver in D.D. Westbrook and his top running back in Joe Mixon. Both to the NFL. So that's, and that, that's one thing. And the other thing is that Oklahoma's one game that I feel like that is going to cost them a spot in the, for the Big 12 title. Ohio State in Columbus. If they don't win that game, Oklahoma State's taking this with Travis Rudolph and James Washington. Okay, uh, I want to chip in real quick because I want to throw a little bit of red meat in here as well. Do you think now that the Big 12 will have a title game, are we going to see Bedlam twice? Throwing no, that out there. Are having a championship game so. even with 11 teams? Yep, they approved it, and it's going to be a one versus two. That's why they moved Bedlam up, so that way they wouldn't be facing each other back-to-back. Then, yes, I, well, I definitely I, I think we will get that as the uh, championship game. Well, I think it's dumb that they're going to have a conference championship game with only ten teams. Yeah. Frankly, they need to expand, and there are two teams that are within striking distance of all universities down there, one of which is the university we just discussed in Houston, the other of which would be Boise State, who would be a perfect fit for the Big 12. Well, this is my bias with 
um, with the geography, but I would hate having Boise State in there because that's two. Then that's two very big outliers um, in the Big Twelve with West Virginia and Boise State. If they were going to expand, there's two very simple teams that what that were in the original Big Twelve that they should add, and that is Houston and SMU. I guess I could see Southern Methodist as being an option. And it would keep that whole Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas thing going with them, with the exception of West Virginia, as Brandon said. Exactly. All right, so Stephen spent a lot of time discussing quarterbacks when we talked about the Big t- about the Big 12. Let's move to the ACC, where the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson, is. Is this Louisville's year to win the ACC? <sighs> I think a lot of it will depend on what happens to Florida State when they play Bama to open the season. I don't think so. I don't think Lamar Jackson has the same season he did last year. Sure, I mean, that guy went off on everybody last season. And it's very hard to have a repeat performance <laughs> like that. Well, the one team I look at is Miami. Uh, we mentioned Mark Rick. He's an amazing coach. He's had several 10 seasons, a couple bowl wins in Georgia. Now he's taking over the Miami team that probably should have made a bull, uh, should have, probably should have been a talk to the college football playoff last year, but they just had such bad luck on this one streak they had middle of the season. And now they have Mark Rickster coach. They're recruiting a couple five-star guys. And they're, I like the running back, Mark Walton, his name is. I like what he does. I'm picking Miami to win the ACC this year. Miami, I, I think Miami is definitely a uh, – is is definitely a dark horse in this because all the other top teams are all in the Atlantic, and then you pretty much just have Miami in the Coastal Division. So you know, uh, with with that being said, maybe Miami sneaks out with a win or a win in in the championship. Yeah. You know? As I said, I believe it'll come down to what happens to Florida State against Alabama to open the season. If Florida State is competitive with Alabama, then that is going to give them a renewed confidence that they can hang with the best in college football because Alabama's been in won the national title two years ago, was in the championship game last year, is widely considered to be the favorite this year. If Florida State can perform up to the level of expectations of Jimbo Fisher as well as the FSU fan base against Alabama, and who knows, maybe even knock Alabama off, I think Florida State might run away with the ACC if they knock off Bama. I could definitely see that because that would be, give them a huge confidence boost if they could somehow beat Bama. Um, but it's still, I I think the ACC and the Big Ten are the two toughest uh, conferences to win this year. For sure. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, Also, to our producer, who is a University of Miami fan, we really need to get that Florida-Miami game back on the schedule on a regular basis. Hey, I I don't agree. (laughs) I mean, I need something extra to look forward to other than rooting for Georgia at the cocktail party. So, I'm down. (laughs) I'd say I'd root for Florida State, but we all know that's not happening, even though I'm predicting them. (laughs) I mean, I 
in in my uh, NCAA fourteen when I created super conferences, I have my I have Miami, Florida State, Clemson all going to the SEC. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure Florida never wins another conference title. Thanks, appreciate it. All this talk of Florida, Florida State, Miami reminds me of the days when Eric and I first met. We worked together on a Miami-based website back in 2015. This brings back such good memories. <laughs> Eric, so now it takes us to the best of the rest in college football this year. Is there anybody else that you feel could potentially make a run towards getting into the playoffs? Last year we saw a couple of the lower-level schools, such as three different teams in the American Athletic, make runs at potentially contending, and then you have to look at Notre Dame with their schedule as always being a factor. Do you guys think that we see anybody outside of the big outside of the Big Five conferences make a run at the college football playoff? Well, that falls into a question that I've had for at well ever since the college football playoff started: is how legitimate is this really? Because think about it: last year we did have two undefeated teams. And only one made it to the made it to the playoffs. So, well, in fairness, that other undefeated team got its ass handed to them by Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll give you that. But you know, it, it's still kind of you know, how much does a record really mean? Not much. I'm look. Well, go ahead, Stephen. I was saying the, not much. Uh, if you were if you were you were asking about the team that could make the playoffs, uh, I'm looking at, and this is crazy. Everyone's gonna be like, "What? Florida Atlantic? Lane Kiffin's their head coach. We see what? what he can do. <laughs> we can see what he can do with different teams, especially like Alabama. He's done. He did well with USC. It's just a, this is thought. I mean, Lane Kiffin's the head coach of the Florida Atlantic Owls. Watch out for them this year. Didn't they, they win like? I, didn't they win like two games last year? But Lincoln wasn't their coach last year. Watch out. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the fact that they may, you know, do something in terms of the regular season, but un- until the until the FBS shows me otherwise, I have absolutely no faith. I mean, pretty much non-Power Five schools are basically playing a glorified exhibition season. And. Just as a heads up, Stephen, Phil still has Florida Atlantic finishing fifth in their division, let alone in the entire <laughs> entirety of college football. So I, I don't think we're going to have to worry about the Owls. I don't fear the Owl. Actually, there is an Owl I do fear, and that would be Temple, because we saw what they did to Penn State. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Breaking the longest winning streak in NCAA football last year when they knocked off Penn State. You guys care to guess who holds the record right now? For longest winning streak? Yeah, against one team. Oh, against one team. I I have no idea. I'm going to go on a wing here and say Florida. <laughs> that would be why I brought it up. <laughs> I yeah, I thought, actually, yeah, I should have thought that. Against who, though? Kentucky. Oh, okay. That oh, makes well, that, that makes sense. 26 years in a row. Wow. Yeah, it was 28 for Penn State and Temple. Damn. All right, guys, guess what? 
Time has come. That, that, We're that, going bowling. We're going bowling. Sweet. All right, Brandon, I'll let you go first here. Give me your college football playoff. Give me your national champion. Uh, I'm going Alabama, Ohio State. I'll say I, I think Florida State will have it. And, yeah, I'm going to have to go with USC. And I'm going to hold out hope. And I'm going to say Ohio State uh, pulls it off again this year. But Steven, too, though. I want to I ask uh, Brandon over here. Who, are you, who do you have Ohio State beating in the national title game in Atlanta? Alabama. Okay, good enough. Uh, yeah, uh, number one, Alabama. Jalen Hurts, love him. Want to see him win the Heisman this year. And plus six saves, the coach. Ohio State, Urban Meyer, great defense. JT Barrett always makes plays. Three, uh, this is where it gets a little tough here. I'm going with my A. Uh, they had a bag streak last year. They should have won those, like most of those games that they lost, especially one against Florida State and North Carolina. Bunch of bad losses that should never happened. And Mark Rick is their coach, so I have put them at three and four. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is tough. I would put another Big Ten team in there. I put Michigan in there, and uh, I'm with um, I'm with Brandon over here. Ohio State beats Alabama. Upset style in Atlanta next now, year. Now, I was thinking about saying Miami myself. The only question that I have in regards to that is if they, like, Miami, I feel, would have to have a better record and have to beat Florida State in the ACC championship game. 100% agree. In order to even have a chance. Because even if, let, let's say Florida State goes either runs the table or runs the table except for Alabama. And Miami uh, maybe only loses one game as well. And they beat Florida State. I still think, based on prestige alone, that the voters would put Florida State in there. Well, not to mention you have to consider the quality of -of out-of-conference for both guys as well. Florida State's big game, as we're talking about since the very onset of the show here, is Alabama. The big game out-of-conference for Miami is Arkansas State. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they play Bethune-Cookman, Arkansas State, and Toledo. And the the Toledo game is at home. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that comes into play for Miami, though. They get they might get Florida State twice this year because they do play in the regular season. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, they play every 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 play every play every year in the regular season. Oh, okay. Then if they okay if they were able to, but see that's the thing. If if Florida State lost to Alabama, but then beat beat Florida State in the regular season, but then lost to them in the. Uh, championship game, I think they would still put Florida State in. Well, Florida State would have to go as the ACC champion. Um, the only way Miami gets in is if they beat Florida State in the ACC title game but lose to them in the regular season. So, which I think, I, I, I could see that happening. I mean, like, like wait, um, didn't, didn't they put the non-champion in either last year or the year before last for the Big Ten? Uh, yes, they put in Ohio State instead of Penn State. Yes, exactly. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. I think because of the prestige of Florida State over Miami 
and because of just the general feel, I think if if Florida State beat Miami in the regular season, but Miami beat them in the conference championship game, the vote they would still put Florida State in over Miami. All right, so this is going to physically pain me to say this, but unfortunately I have to. My top four seeds for the CFP are Alabama, Florida State, Michigan, and USC. It leaves Oklahoma State on the outside looking in. My national championship game sees... Excuse me. My national title game sees Alabama winning the title and defeating... I I think I have to go with uh, Florida State here in a rematch from the first game of the season. Wow. Hmm. That would be an interesting way to uh, end the season the same way as you begin it. (laughs) Well, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that this Saturday's 8 o'clock super game on on ABC this Saturday night for Florida State and Alabama? Yes. And uh, ironically, I believe it's in Atlanta. What? Yeah, I think so. I think it's at the Georgia Dome, or maybe, or is it at the new stadium? Uh, I don't believe the Georgia Dome is in existence anymore, so it would almost have to be in the new stadium. Oh, okay, they blew it up. I believe so. I believe it's at the home, the new home of the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. We will be discussing the Falcons here shortly. Um, with college football starting this week, do you guys want to give an upset prediction for college football? I mean, I'd have to take a few moments to look through the schedule. Yeah, so. I'd have to get the schedule. I will give my prediction for my team, though. I'm super nervous about the suspensions. And unfortunately, I think that ends up being our demise, especially with our best wide receiver and our best cornerback out. Michigan 27, Florida 21. So if you guys are all square there. Are you guys ready to move over to the National Football League? Yeah. Steven, you good? Sure am. I'm all good. Right, so the plan for the National Football League here is we will predict the division winners, we will name our wild cards, and we will predict a Super Bowl champion. We will not predict the full postseason. Too much of a pain in the ass to do that on a short podcast. But we can give our predictions for the six we can give our predictions for the six teams that get in. And then who our eventual champion is. Do you guys want to do this individually or do you guys want to go division by division? Let's go division by division. Yeah. All right. I'm going to preface this by saying I am a Buffalo Bills fan. We start with the AFC East. And I do not want to announce my prediction because, frankly, I don't want it to happen. (laughs) This is like the SEC. We all know what's going to happen, but no one likes it. That is 100% accurate. Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind here. New England's winning the AFC East. They're clearly the class of the NFL right now. No doubt. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, here's my question for you guys. Do you think we might see an AFC East team challenge for a wild card this year? Hmm... You could have made the argument for Miami. The AFC East, Miami, the Bills, and the Jets. You could have made the argument for Miami before the quarterback got hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
before I, Tano I, got hurt. Once once Jay Cutler became their quarterback, it's all downhill from there. I I, I yep. would love to say the the Bills do something, but I I just don't know. No, <laughs> I don't either. We're still a couple of years away. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, truth be told, with the new coach, Sean McDermott, and basically re- reinstating our 3-4 defense after going – or, excuse me, our 4-3 defense after getting away from the 3-4 that Rex Ryan had us running. Uh, I just – my goal for the year is to finish 500 and have our defense be back in the top five amongst the NFL this year. And frankly, I think both are realistic options. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move to the AFC North, which has been traditionally very difficult to call. And a couple of teams that should be better this year in Baltimore and Cincinnati compared to what they did last year. But to me, this is Pittsburgh's division to lose, is it not? Yeah, I would still say Pittsburgh's division to lose. But I think Baltimore is the dark horse in this race. No, you got again. You got everyone's gonna think I'm crazy hearing this. First of all, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the second best team. Not just the, they're not gonna win just in the division. They're the second best team in the AFC behind New England. Then that that offense is whoo. There is so much high power on that offense. But uh, I, I just want to go. I'm gonna talk about this now. Cleveland is the dark horse. They're not gonna win in the division. I see them winning six games. But with that team that they have, the future looks bright. <laughs> Cleveland's going to win six games. <laughs> oh, God. You're, you're funny. You're funny. <laughs> Cleveland's right. going to win six games. <laughs> Cleveland, there, there are certain teams like Cleveland, the Jets, Jacksonville. Um, there's probably one or two other teams that I'm forgetting right now. But they have the same exact formula every single year. They draft a quarterback high in the first round, thinking that that'll solve all their problems. They stink. They get a high draft pick. Repeat. <laughs> hey, I will have you know Deshaun Kaiser was a, like a third-round pick this year, not a first-round for Cleveland. Okay, they changed, They bucked the trend one year. <laughs> Maybe that's but the year I'm, that they I'm sure, I'm sure their first-round pick was still a uh, skill player. Uh, give me one quick second, and I will answer that for you. I have the information right in front of me. I can get that to you. Miles once. Garrett, first yeah, overall out of Texas yeah, A&M. Tex- yeah, Texas A&M defensive end, so not a skill player. Oh, okay, okay, fair but, enough. Well, technically, they had three first-round picks, and one of them was a skill player in David Njoku. But two of the, the three end. were not skill players. That's, an, that's a plus. That is a plus. I think Hugh Jackson has the coaching potential to turn Cleveland around. I just think it's too early, and that division's too good for him to be ready yet. Yeah, yeah. Let's move to, in my opinion, the second best con- the second best division in the AFC. Let's go to the AFC South here, Steve. And how do you see this playing out? Uh, I have a bunch of my friends tell me yesterday how they think Houston's going to win the division. I don't see it. Tom Savage is starting for them. Tom, Sa- what has Tom Savage done in his career? Come on, no. Tennessee is winning this division. They just got one of the best tight ends in the league in Eric Decker. Marcus Mariota is doing nothing but good stuff every single year. Delaney Walker. You have uh, Corey Davis. Love that pick. Fifth overall out of um, Western Michigan, mind you. Uh, that, that team is going places. They're winning the division this year. I... Well, not just 
not just Corey Davis in the first round this year. They also took out. They also took a uh, Dory Jackson. Jackson. That's right. Another yeah, the cornerback out of USC. That's right. I disagree with you. Indianapolis is winning this. Division. Whoa! I think it's, what? It's way too early for the Titans. You heard um, me first, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Tolzien is winning the AFC South. Come on, Erdin. <laughs> um, you ready for this, Stephen? Go for it. Four words I never thought I'd say on this show. I agree with Brandon. Oh, no. I'm on, a, I'm on an island. Indianapolis wins the AFC South. With the caveat that Andrew Luck has to stay healthy. Yes, well, of course. Because if Scott Tolzien is their starter, they're probably finishing last in the AFC South. Yeah, we'll go that far. It's Scott Tolzien. <laughs> Not winning the division. I also think that I also think that Jacksonville will be much improved. Uh, they need to figure out their quarterback situation, but I think Jacksonville will be improved. The, the other thing about Tennessee, and I know he's not quite as bad as some other quarterbacks, but I think this will be the year that Mariota, being a running quarterback, will finally catch up to him. You know, I was just about to ask that, too. That reminds me of the question that I wanted to ask before we moved on to the AFC West, and that is the fact that, and it goes for both Marcus Mariota as well as the star quarterback in the AFC West in Oakland's Derek Carr. Do you guys think that they'll be up to snuff after breaking their legs in the last game of the regular season, respect, respectively, last year? No. I mean, they'll be I they'll so. still be respectable, but they're going to have to, especially... Uh, Especially with uh, Mariota, he's going to have to change his game up a lot, and it's going to take a little while. And there's going to be a bit of a growing period, a, a bit of growing pains in the first couple of weeks. That's two uh-huh. in a row. We that's two in a row. We agree on Brandon. <laughs> I think Mari. I think Mariota is at a much higher risk than Carr is because Carr is more of your traditional pocket quarterback. Exactly. Whereas right. Mariota's a scrambler. And we've all seen, I mean, even some, I mean, even look at a guy that two years ago, well, yeah, two years ago, everyone thought was invincible and was a more, you know, balanced quarterback has been shut down in Drew, in uh, Cam Newton. Yep. Newton's another one that's been having injury problems the last two years as well, well though. We'll talk, well, I mean, we'll talk. We basically see that, you know, despite the fact that they still try to do it with every new quarterback that comes in, a college running option style does not work in the NFL, period. That's because the, just because the players are so much bigger that your body takes that much more of a pounding in the NFL when you try to run that kind of and offense. And also the, the, the coordinators and the defenses as a whole are that much smarter. Steven, your thoughts on the Derek Carr Marcus Mariota situation? I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about it. I think they're gonna do the same thing they've been doing since they both came into the league in 2014, 2015 respectively. I don't I mean, yeah, they both injured their legs, but we've seen so many people come back from leg injuries and do much better things. So I'm saying I'm looking at the same thing here. I do agree with Brandon for a little little bit there. Uh Mariota could his running could be a problem there with that leg injury might have an effect on him somehow. But I'll be looking. I'll be looking for that now. I'll be looking to watch how his running game is affected by that leg. 
Well, I also think, too, the fact that Marcus doesn't really need to be running as much as he does, too, with DeMarco Murray in his backfield. Right, Mark, and Derrick Henry. So that, he should have been doing much running. something that saves him. Like, there's, there, there's people in the backfield to take off that much pressure from Marcus Mariota, whereas, and let's move to the AFC West here. I, I don't know that Derek Carr can count on Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. Well, don't get just, me wrong. He, he just really, really, really has to hope that Marshawn Lynch goes back to being beast mode Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, he has to hope that those two years, that the year that Marshawn took off, did nothing but refresh him and get him ready to play in the NFL again. Because Marshawn looked like a beaten man in Seattle when he stepped away. Yes. Yep. Uh, that being said, despite Carr coming back from his injury, and I know my Raw Reaction co-host is going to hate that I'm picking this, I do think Oakland wins the AFC West. Wow. So do I. I'm I'm gonna say Denver. What? Again, Trevor Simeon is not winning you a division. Just like Scott Tolzien is not winning you a division. I, sorry, I think sorry. that defense will be enough that and, and and the pieces around him will be enough that he will be I mean and I mean this division, you know, Oakland you've got a lot of questions. The Chargers you've got a lot of questions. And the Chiefs they're they're my other team that I would not be surprised to see win. It's a toss up between those two. See that actually that actually takes me into my wild card predictions because I think Kansas City gets one of the two wild cards. Yes, and I I think the other wild card actually goes to to Houston. I'm saying I'm saying Kansas City definitely won, and either Houston or Baltimore for the other. Steven? I, I, I could see Kansas City getting a wild card for sure. For the other one, hmm. Lots of good teams out there in the AFC, I would say. Let's see. Probably, yeah, I'm going to go Houston. I think that Houston will st- eventually start Deshaun Watson, and he'll get them to a wild card. I feel like Watson has excellent NFL potential if he can continue, if he can contain himself from scrambling as much as he did at Clemson. If he tries to scramble as much as he did at Clemson, Clemson in the NFL, he's going to get his ass handed to him. Because he's nowhere near as good at protecting himself as some of the other quarterbacks are when it comes to scrambling. Well, right, I think... So- I mean... Uh- while things are different now, I think it's going to be another situation like RG3 and some of the other scramblers where he's going to have a good year this year and then, you know, but, you know, nothing spectacular. And then next year he'll be kind of mediocre. Who comes out of the AFC, guys? Brandon, you start. I just, I don't see anyone besides New England. Steven? Yeah, New England. No, New England, no doubt. <sighs> it pains me to say we, it. It really we does. We all hate it, but we know it's going to happen. It's like <laughs> Alabama. There was there was a Family Guy joke about Kobe Bryant that I won't repeat here. But yeah, it's pretty much like it or not, it's going to happen. 
New England wins the AFC this year, unfortunately. I think they beat um, – I'm going to say they beat Oakland in the AFC championship game. I'm going to say they beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in a rematch. Yeah. All right. That moves us to the other side of the National Football League, into the NFC here. And we start with the NFC East. Um, all right, Steven, make your homer pick. You know you want to. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. I'm not picking my Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East. I have the New York Giants winning the NFC East. Huzzah, Brandon, yes. Brandon Marshall, great addition. I would love to see Paul Perkins rush for at least close to 1,000 yards. Eli Manning's going to step it up this year. That defense is a much better than Dallas's this year. After watching them last year, I was like, wow, what a great defense. I have the Giants winning the division at 11-5. Here, now, Harry, you'll get my homer pick now, which I will agree with Steven on. Giants. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to be the one picking the Cowboys here? Great. Yes. yes. Great. I'm stuck on my own picking the Cowboys, a team I can't stand. Who's your team? The Buffalo I'm a fan. Bills fan. Oh, oh, right, right. You guys are in a division, so that'll be fun to watch you two battle it out twice this year. And I'm oh, sure there'll sure. be, ep- hey, I'm sure there hey, will be some epic be- smack talking. Before those we, games, we too. One again. Get ready. Fourth, third, fourth in a row. I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. And, and what? Two out of the three, they've, uh, the Giants have won? Yep. <laughs> At least you guys are picking on each other and not me now. I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, let's remember that 2015 matchup, though, Brandon. The Giants had a 10 point lead, ball at the one yard line, and it turned no, it all over. Don't, don't remember. That was why they won the game. Woo what? I was yeah. the happiest guy that the happiest guy in my life that uh, night. Like, I was, don't, the giant. Don't I was so happy. Unfortunately, you fell to four and twelve, and that was it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, this year, I mean, e- even without me being completely homer, I I have to say the Giants are greatly improved from last year, and I think while the Cowboys will certainly have a good year, um, I think the the league will start to catch up on. Prescott and uh, and Elliott. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the big question is going to be is how much time does Ezekiel Elliott miss? Because the rumors wow. are is that they're going to be going to discuss the suspension that Ezekiel Elliott received and seeing about knocking it down from six to whatever they decide to knock it down to. Do you guys think they knock down Elliott's suspension? I think it moves to four. I think I agree with that. Whenever yep. they, it it seems like that's a trend in the NFL where they always put it high. And then they'll go appeal it and knock it down a couple of games. So I think he'll be out for four games. But that's still, I mean, especially considering, I mean, their wide receiver core isn't as good as it has been in the past. Um, You know, I think those four games without Elliott, they're going to struggle a bit. I don't know if they're going to, they're not going to lose all of them. But I'd say they'd go maybe two and two. Uh, looking at the schedule for those four games, they could easily end up one and three without Elliott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the those three games, games, especially in a tough division like the NFC East, that's going to hurt them. The four games that we're thinking that Elliott might miss are the Giants at Denver, at lost, Arizona, lost. home to the LA Rams. Yeah, one and three. I would say one and three. Two and two. Two and two at the bright end of that. One yeah. and three 
at the probable, depending on how well Dak Prescott can perform without Ezekiel Elliott. Not to mention, you have to think as to whether or not people like Run DMC can step up and carry the burden for Elliott while he's suspended. Yeah. Because we've seen McFadden carry a team before. He did so out right. in Oakland. And he rushed right. for 1,000 yards in 2015, so I'm not worried too much about it. Very true. The question, honestly, for Dallas is as well is, as Brandon said, do teams figure out Dak Prescott this year? I think they, they kind of have to now that they have more videotape to study on him. I mean, he won't have – he is a more balanced quarterback than some of the other quarterbacks we've seen come into the league and have great first years. So I don't think he will struggle as mightily as an RG3 or right. someone like that has – but I think his stats and the team as a whole will definitely decrease as compared to last year. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'd say Dex, the numbers go up, but the team's ethic goes down because we're not finished 13-3 again. And like you said, who knows what's going to happen with Zeke. If we spend four games, can McFadden rush for 1,000 or do well again? We don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I will put it to you this way. McFadden will have to average at least 100 yards a game for you guys to try to pull a 3-1 and one out of those games with Elliott yeah. suspended. <laughs> oh, definitely. At for least. Sure. I'd say at least 150. All right, we move on to the NFC North now. Um, so Detroit's getting better. Minnesota has something. Chicago is Chicago. This is Green Bay's division to lose, is it not? <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes, definitely. With I mean, like you said, Detroit's getting better. They're the dark horse in this race, yep. but um, yeah, it's definitely the Packers to lose. You, Green Bay for sure. Your thoughts on Matthew Stafford becoming the highest paid player in the National Football League? I just... He earned it. Not really. I mean, you what... Want is, my- I, I mean, yes, he's a good quarterback stats-wise, but what has he really done... Career-wise. You guys want my thoughts on Matt Stafford, $250 million man? Yeah. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. That, that's pretty much my my thoughts exactly. I mean, he hasn't really done anything beyond the regular season. But his regular season success is why he's getting paid this money. Well, I, I know mean, that, yeah. but... To... to that, to be fair, I think you could make the argument that Matthew Stafford is the Andy Dalton of the NFC. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree yeah, with I that. Say but, that. But I mean, the you and I are are on opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of sports in general and team sports, where you know some people focus on you know individual stats and how teams do in the regular season and and all of that you you play to win championships i don't care what your your stats are if you're not winning me championships and if that's the case that dan marino shouldn't is not going to be in the hall of fame or shouldn't be in the hall of fame because he never won a title there are certain mitigating circumstances that Yeah, I was about to say there are three other names that come to mind right now as a Bills fan. Jim Kelly, Thurman oh, Thomas, Andre Reid. Well, there, there you can thank uh, – what's his name? Your, your damn kicker for that. <laughs> Scott Norwood. 
<laughs> yes, Scott Norwood. <laughs> Wide right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the debut episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, have you guys actually seen The Four Falls of Buffalo, the ESPN no, 30 for I have No, no. Watch it. I haven't. I almost forgive Scott Norwood after watching that. Almost. Almost. Oh, keywords. I mean, you you know I got to rip on you for that since I'm a Giants fan anyway. Yeah, how does it feel to know that you would have been the one team that Buffalo should have beaten? Anyway, yeah, moving on. on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the uh, – let's talk about, in my opinion, the most competitive <clears throat> in the NFC, the NFC South. I'm going to start it off with a bold prediction here. Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. I'm right there yeah, with you, Harry. That's definitely bold. Um, oh. I think Atlanta, just real quick, I think Atlanta experiences a massive fall off off of the disappointment of what happened to them in the Super Bowl. And I think we see the trend continuing of teams that lose the Super Bowl not making the playoffs the following year. See, this is the, this is the toughest division to choose because I agree with you with Atlanta. I think Carolina is going to continue to have this downward spiral because of uh, Cam not being able to perform as well as he has in the past. Um, Tampa Bay, I just... Jameis Winston, while he didn't get hurt or anything, I still think he's in that Marcus Mariota category where he's going to have to... He he's gonna have to reinvent himself a bit, or else teams are gonna catch on and finally start to beat him. But uh, I'm gonna make a bold prediction, and I'm gonna say, I mean, it's not that bold, but I think New Orleans. That's bold. That is so bold. I have the New Orleans finishing last of the division. Come on, uh, Tampa Bay just uh, added the they just drafted the best tight end in OJ Howard. This guy gets open. Nobody nobody knows where he's all by himself. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, one of the fastest in the game. Mike Evans. Great receiver. The only thing that Winston has to do is reduce the turnovers because that's his problem. He turns the ball out way too much. Well, that Carolina, can be a big problem. You know, Atlanta, I do this every other year. It doesn't mean anything if you can't get the ball to – it doesn't mean anything if you can't get the ball to your receivers. He'll be able to get the ball to his receivers. I'm not worried about that. Atlanta, I see this every other year. Playoffs, no playoffs. Playoffs, no playoffs. This is a year where they don't make the playoffs. They fall off the rock like uh, one of you guys said. I remember who it was. Carolina – they're not the same team. Cam Newton's been New Yorker's whole career. He had one good year. Let's not uh, call him the Hall of Famer now. New Orleans, 7-9, 7-9, 7-9, 7-9. made the playoffs in, what, three, four years. Uh, this, is not, this is another year. No playoffs for the Saints. So well, not I have to win the division. The, the big thing for New Orleans, well, how will Adrian Peterson perform as a Saint? Because while I appreciate while I appreciate them giving Adrian Peterson to Drew Brees as a weapon, I think losing star receiver Brandon Cooks is going to hurt that team a lot more than they realize. But that's been that's been the one problem that the Saints have had for throughout the Drew Brees era has been that it's been he's been they've been so reliant on Brees and the passing game. Right. That that's been the problem that they've had over the past couple of years is that everyone knows that seventy five eighty percent of their plays are going to be passes. So now with I mean, granted Adrian Peterson is 
kind of getting towards the tail end of his career. He's not the guy that you mm-hmm. knew back in 2008, 2009, 2010. Right. But he can still be a at least respectable running back to take some pressure off of Drew Brees. And that's why I think that's why I have some high hopes for New Orleans. I would go as far to say that Peterson's probably in the upper echelon, probably the top five of running backs in the game today still. Yes. Mm-hmm. That helps New Orleans. But the big concern for me is what are they going to do with their receiving core, especially now that their top target for the wide receiver is probably going to be Willie Sneed. Well, I mean, well, they do have Ted Ginn Jr. You can't count him yeah. out. And Ted, and, Ginn, uh, Ted Ginn Jr. is an injury liability, though. The guy cannot stay healthy. But if he is healthy, that guy's catching passes out of the wazoo. Okay, but that depends. Are they going to have him return kicks as well? Because if they have him returning kicks as well, then he's not going to stay healthy. If they're if they're worried about him staying healthy, then they probably will not. But here's the thing about that with what you're saying with being worried about who they have to pass it to. It doesn't matter. Look at what New England has done for years. Who, other than Randy Moss, who have they had as a good receiver that people have known? They've oh. cre- they've created receivers because yep, yep. of Tom Brady. That's right. But okay, I will grant that. But at the same time, Sean Payton's not Bill Belichick. That's true too. <laughs> I don't think it has to matter. Drew I think Brees, it absolutely. Drew Brees I... is on that level where I think he can get balls to guys no matter who it is i don't disagree that i think Brees is perfectly competent we saw his arm on display when they did the skills challenge last year before the pro bowl but at the same time though i think Brees is getting to the point now where he's up in age and you have to factor that father time is not going to continue to be this kind to him that's another way to look well, at it. i mean we've been saying that about brady for how many years now? that's that's fair, although also fair is New England has a much better line than New Orleans does, but that's well, neither here nor there. That, that is fair. I'll give you that. All right, let's move out west once again, and let's go to the NFC West this time here. Um, I'll start off, and I have a bold one. It will not be Seattle. It will be Arizona. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Arizona. You see, I would go with Arizona, but I don't know what to expect from Carson Palmer because one year he does great, the next year he's a crap. Well, well, let's think about uh, until it. I see, until I see improvement from Carson Palmer, Seattle's winning it again. But well, well, let's watch think out about for Arizona. I, I, I will say watch out for Arizona. How are you last year? Carson Palmer last year was 354 of 537 for 4,233 yards, 26 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Okay, so that's a good yeah, 14 interceptions. So he, may, so he may have a mediocre year, but – Think about it. They have a lot more weapons than they have had in the past. Like, sure. um, oh, I'm forgetting. They have good the running best back. running. Ba- they have the best running back in the NFL right now in David Johnson. Yes, arguably. Exactly. So that takes a lot of pressure off of Palmer, which he hasn't had in a lot of years. And and we were talking about age before. There is a man. There is a man on that team that is seemingly ageless in Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, he is very ageless. Yeah, uh, I can't tell you how many fantasy football games Larry Fitzgerald has won me over the course of the last three seasons. <laughs> 
Everybody always sleeps on Fitzgerald, and he does nothing but deliver time after time after time. Well, because he's not a flashy guy. He's not the you know most talkative guy in the world. He's right. he's the guy that just comes in and puts up and shuts up. So you're going with Seattle then, Stephen? As of right now, I'm going with Seattle. I love Russell Wilson. Doug Baldwin's a great guy. I like Jimmy Graham's another talented tight end. But if they can learn how to use them, sure. But if they, but if I'm saying, don't be surprised if Arizona does win the West because who knows? Carson Palmer might have another great year. Might uh, reduce the turnovers. We'll see. But that is that is a nice Arizona team. I love Arizona's team. I just don't like Carson Palmer as much. Not to mention, the other thing that I think puts Arizona in that upper echelon there is I would argue that their defense, that their, uh, their especially their secondary, is as good, if not better, than Seattle's. I could, I could agree with that. They have a very good secondary. They have Tyron Matthew. They have, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Patrick Peterson. How can I forget his name? Hmm. So that that's a pretty good secondary right there for sure. All right. Wild card prediction times, gentlemen. We have our official division winners in. Let's do our wild cards here. Um, so you guys both picked the Giants to win the NFC East. I have them finishing as a wild card. And my secondary wild card is Seattle. I'm saying Cowboys and uh, I guess I'd. it's a big toss-up between Detroit, Minnesota, and Seattle. Um I think I'm going to have to go with Seattle. Here's one. Arizona and Detroit. My wild card. So you don't have the Cowboys making the playoffs at all? I do not. I had them at 6-10 at one point. Then I talked to a guy from Bleacher Report, and he told me about the defense. I was like, okay, 8-8. But it's going to be an offseason. That is shocking to hear coming from a Cowboys fan. I'm curious as to whether or not Sean will have that level of self-awareness. Non-bias is a key in this business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that normally, if I don't have faith in my team, I'm the first one to call them out. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a Buffalo fan. I'm used to not having faith in my team. <laughs> hey, for college football, I'm used – or college basketball, I'm used to it too. But they've been much better over the last two years. Coincidentally, right after I leave, of course. Not coincidentally at all, sir. <laughs> uh, do we have anything we want to plug before we get out of here? We have to do our NFC predictions. Oh, we still have to do our Super Bowl prediction, too. That's right. Oh, yeah. We also have to predict an NFC champion, too. Wow, I'm yep. really jumping the gun here, aren't yeah. I? I'm so thinking we're here. We're, here. We're, we're here for you, Harry. That's <laughs> uh, a good thing, too, because I just completely screwed the pooch on that one, didn't I? All right, let's try <laughs> Let's continue on with our NFC champion. Um, you know what? As much as I, as much as I may not like them as a team, I think that to me the obvious favorite in the NFC this year is Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Green Bay coming out of the out of the NFC this year, and I'm going to say they defeat Arizona in the conference championship game. Wow. Okay. Steven? Oh, I was going to wait for Brandon, but I'm going uh, Green Bay over the Giants. I'll, I'm going to flip that, and I, I, I know it's a little biased, but I'm going to... Hey, what? 
Sorry, got something caught in my throat there. <laughs> hey, I, I honestly think that with the additions that they've made over the offseason, that they're going to be a much improved team. Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants over the uh, over the Packers. So are you hoping for a repeat of that Eli Manning magic in the Super Bowl? Oh, oh, oh yes. Lord. Yes. yes. Oh, God. The no more. The, the kryptonite to Tom Brady's Superman will appear yet again. One more. <laughs> I think about one episode of this show with Brandon as a Giants fan is about all I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, what's your Super Bowl prediction? So as you know, the, the, I have the Patriots beating the Packers in a rematch of Super Bowl 31, but things uh, turned around here. The Patriots will beat the Packers and win Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. <sighs> Brady gets his sixth. New England joins Pittsburgh. That's right. You got better hope. I know you guys are dreading it. You got better hope that Eli does it again. Oh, I it's hope he does. I'm so again. tired of rematches. I am tired of rematches. Oh, my well, God. I mean, that's what football has devolved into now on both fronts. So, well, I like I like Aaron Rodgers more than I like Tom Brady. So I'd be so more. Do I. So I'd be more okay with Green Bay winning that game than New England. I just, I think New England has too many weapons now. Yep. With a health, with a healthy, with a healthy Gronkowski, an extra running back in their backfield, and Mike Gillisley, and now Brandon Cooks for Tom Brady to throw to. That team is just scary looking. It's too much. All right, let me ask you guys this because this was one of the topics for debate before we get out of here, and then this will be our first debate for the show. Buy or sell. New England goes undefeated in the regular season. Buy whatever you think I have. Who are their, some of their top teams that they're playing? I haven't looked at their full schedule. The only team I can tell you that I feel is the top competition, Week 5 in Tampa. That's all I can see. No Pittsburgh, no... No, uh, I think they, at, they, have, they at, have a good luck in Pittsburgh. Uh, no, they don't. December 17th at Pittsburgh. Yeah, but they have they they do well winning in Pittsburgh. That's what I'm saying. I feel like they'll win in Pittsburgh. They'll beat the Raiders in Mexico, I think. And uh, yeah, it's pretty yeah, much it. I think they I think they catch a break with that game being at a neutral field. I think them having to go to the black I think them having to go to the black hole would have been a much tougher game for them. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. For sure. But I'm I'm gonna sell that. I just I mean, I know that they're a great team and everything, but I just I think they'll lose. They'll have some sort of trap game or something that they'll they'll lose in. It's so. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why we've only ever seen it happen twice, and once wasn't even complete. Right. Uh, I have a super bold prediction, and I'm going on record with it right now. Sell, and the first loss is to Atlanta in Foxborough. Oh no way. There's no way the Falcons going to Gillette and win. No. Nah. Believe. No way. Yeah, I heard it. The one loss I could see them having is against Denver, November 12th. It's a Sunday night football game. But other than that, no. Yeah, they have a lot of nationally televised games from what they I'm They do. Saying. Frankly, it's not really a surprise, but they do have a lot of – I'm seeing one, two, well, do three. they have any, like, thir- I mean, I know they have Thursday night the first week, but beyond that, do they have any other Thursday night games? New England, Tampa, Tampa, that, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Night game. 
to miss yeah, those see, that game. could be a trap game right there because they'll have a short week to prepare. Right. That's right. It could be. And not to mention they'll be coming off of playing Carolina just four days yeah. prior too. So it'll be it'll depend on what Cam Newton shows up this year. Whether Carolina can give them enough fits to frustrate them enough to be ready to fall in that game at Tampa Bay. Yep. Yeah, I just I just don't see them running the table. The back-to-back road games against Denver and Oakland also present a scare for me. I'm saying 14 and two. Yeah, I'll say yeah, I'll say 14 and two as well. I still think they go 16 or no. They think they beat out beat out the schedule, beat out Denver, beat out Oakland, beat out Tampa, and they win. They win it all. That's it. Is part of that your desire to actually see an undefeated team in our lifetime? No, oh, no, of course not. I had a chance to do that in 2008. But uh, David Tyree ruined that for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now do you guys have... That year was so much fun. (laughs) God. Um, Don't make me repeat what I said earlier. What? I'm feeling the urge to cough again. Don't make me do it. (laughs) Okay. Now that we've actually got our predictions for the NFC and the Super Bowl out of the way this time, do we have anything else to plug before we get out of here for real this time? Um, the only thing, the one thing for college that I forgot to uh, ask is, and I kind of brought it up, but do you guys think that we will ever get a non-Power 5 in the playoffs? No. And how, and how no. long do you think it will take for them to expand? We will never see a non-Power 5 school in if it stays as a four-team. If it goes to eight, then yes. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, if it goes to eight. How long do you think it take before it does that? A couple more years. At 2020 at the absolute earliest. Yep, yeah. All right. Your thoughts on those two subjects, Brandon? I agree with you guys that no, I don't think that a power, uh, a non-power five will make it, unfortunately, because that's the only way I would ever consider the college football playoff legitimate is if they actually had a fair playing field. Um, but as in terms of when they'll actually finally get a true tournament, I, I think I agree with you guys. I, I'm Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping 2020 at the earliest. But with how long the FBS survived, and with all the controversy and everything, I don't think we're even going to get any sort of talk about it until at least like 2025. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a while before we see anything changing up the schedule here because you're going to need uh, another Boise State TCU type situation where it has to be multiple really good non-power five schools. Yeah. Like the uh, the American Athletic gave them scares last year because going late into the season last year, Houston, Navy, and Temple were all looking really, really good. Well, I remember in the beginning of the regular season, people were talking about, like at this point last year, people were saying Houston, and then they obviously flopped. But, you know, that's... You know, unfortunately, there's no team this year that really stands out. No, I don't think there's any non-Power 5 school that has any kind of a chance to even... Truth be told, if Notre Dame goes 10-2, and they're probably in the... uh, They're probably in the the discussion for the uh, New Year's 6. If if Notre Dame goes 10-2, they're in the discussion for the New Year's 6 as the Mm non-Power 5 school. 
Well, yeah, but that's a big that's a big difference big if, from the, the, the playoffs. I like the fact that they put the non the non power five schools into the New Year six, but at the same time, I feel like the quality of competition that those non power five schools play is what keeps them out of the playoff. It's a whole lot different playing Florida, LSU, Alabama, Georgia every week than it is playing Eastern Michigan, Ball State, Akron, and Toledo. I agree with that, but I mean, look at um, look at what what goes on. I mean, I know completely different sport, different you know everything, but look at what happens in basketball. You have that same concept where everyone thinks, oh, the Power Five conferences are unbeatable. And a team like Butler a couple of years ago or, you know, or other teams from non-big schools come in and just dominate. Well, don't dominate, but, you know, they have good runs. It's much easier to do that in basketball than it is to do that in in football because there's just so much talent spread out in basketball all across the country. Whereas I think a lot of the best, biggest and brightest players go to the power five schools and there's just no way around that. That's true. That's true. But I mean, the top guys go to the power schools in basketball as well, but there's more spread out talent throughout the country in basketball. I think there are more kids playing basketball than there are playing football now. That's true. All right, gentlemen, do we have any plugs to do before we get out of here? I know I got a couple, but I'll go last, so that way I can also throw out a plug for our host network as well. Nope. Brandon, you good? Yep. Steven, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you besides here? Sure thing. Uh, you can check out the SEU show every week on W2Net.com and iTunes, Stitcher, Speaker, Google Play, and wherever W2Net podcasts are available. Soon to be on around. My own website, around125.com. You'll be able to check the SU show out and possibly this show as well on around125.com. Okay, this is going to take a while because I'm like Mr. W2M these days. (laughs) Let's see here. I do the SmackDown Live review with Sean. I do the 205 Live review with Sean. Me, Patrick Ketza, and Paul Leeser are doing the Mae Young Classic reviews. Myself and Patrick Ketza do the episodes of Wrestling Unwrapped, which you can listen to every Sunday night slash Monday morning here. And then you have, obviously, the new show here, The Kickoff, with myself, Brandon, and Steven. So, yeah, I'm basically everywhere there is to be for the W2M Network, which, by the way, if you're enjoying listening, you can find us online at www.w2mnet.com. Check out all your favorite shows from the W2M Network there. Also, check out articles from all your favorites as well. The newest written review for Wrestling Unwrapped just released earlier today, so you can check that out there. Um, You can also hear me on the Raw Reaction every Monday night at 1130 with 411 Mania's Tony Acero and MMA to the Max's Robert Taylor. We do the Raw Reaction uh, on Yes Wrestling Radio. You can find them online at YesWrestling.com or on Facebook at Yes Wrestling. Make sure you check out for Wrestling to the Max on Facebook as well by searching for Wrestling to the Max. So... For our executive producer, Mr. Eric Watkins. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have a couple of bones to pick after this show. I'm I'm leaving it at that. (laughs) All right, well, he can pick his bones once we're done. For Brandon Biscobain and Stephen Err, 
I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to the debut episode of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next Monday. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.